Welcome to the Present Fathers Podcast. This is the show that focuses on climbing the mountain of fatherhood together. We believe that dads matter. That's why this show is for you. So gear up, dads. Get ready. It's time to start climbing. Welcome to another episode of the Present Fathers Podcast. Our guest today is the incredible Daniel Yoshimi, a renowned life coach and the driving force behind Dad is Progress Coaching. Daniel's dedication to empowering men as better leaders within their households has inspired countless fathers to strengthen their familial bonds and embrace the roles with intentionality and love. His expertise extends far beyond this, though, coaching individuals on vital topics such as overcoming porn addiction, recovering and reconnecting with family, addressing trauma, fostering forgiveness, nurturing their inner child, and unlocking the the power of somatics. With his transformative guide, The Ultimate Guide to End Porn Addiction and Reconnect with Your Family, Daniel has impacted the lives of many fathers, guiding them through personal growth and helping them establish lasting legacies of love and strength. Welcome, Daniel, to our podcast. We really appreciate you coming on tonight. So, Daniel, tell us a little bit about yourself. Don't make any fun, Justin. Um, <laughs> My God, I got you. <laughs> thank you for the beautiful introduction. Um, yeah, um, I moved to U.S. 23 years ago. I was 22, and we were. I was working a surf shop, and we got robbery really bad. Um, you know, my manager got shot. Crazy Brazil stuff. And I was like, I got to get out of here. And then um, we moved to California. We moved actually to Santa Barbara, where I live today. And it was great, you know, just living the life. Um, Surfing was one of the biggest things in my life it is. And then a few years passed, I went back to Brazil. And my dad called me and said, I got to talk to you. And my dad never talked to me. Um, And I was like, wow, this is something. So I remember going to his room. He shut the door. There was nobody there, but he shut the door, sit here. And I was like, wow, what's what's going on? And he said, you know, your sister, your younger sister is not my daughter. And I was like, what? Hold on, because my whole life, I've known that my daughter, he was the father of my both sisters. And, you know, he said he tried to take care of her for a few years, but he couldn't handle and he had to bail. And then fast forward, you know, I was about 25 years old. He tells me that. So that day... I, my, God, my heart got broken. Uh, what happened was I was expecting my mom to tell me because I went back to my mom and say, Mom, why didn't you ever tell me that? I didn't say that, but that was my question. I was like, in that day, I felt my mom betrayed me. So my love story changed completely. I couldn't receive love anymore. Um, and it's easy to say that I couldn't receive love, but really feeling that love is really powerful. 
when we talk about somatics, somatics is, is the biggest challenge for my clients to really die, dive in and say, let's do breath work. Let's put your hands on the heart. Let's feel what's going on. No, we, as a man, when it's still on the head, no, it's fine. I'm okay. And that's how I deal with it. I was like, you know what? It's okay. My mom, I know that she loves me. Um, I am in her house right now. <laughs> we still love each other. Um, but from that day, my love story, my love connection changed. Ten years after, I get married, have my first kid, second kid. Um, I never had a very good intimacy. I was cheating all my relationships after that event. And I didn't know that. A few years ago, I became a couple years ago, I became a life coach. And I was like, whoa, I gotta go and dive deep in what's going on. So pornography, it was something that it was a normal thing. Let's just watch some pornography. It's okay. It gets me excited. I can create more connection with my wife because I, you know, I get hyper, I have this dopamine. So I have all this wrong understanding of what love is, what creating connection is. And I, I always wanted to be a father. There was no question about it. So a couple of years ago, become a life coach, do all this work with fathers, start with, like working pornography more with some clients. And then I was like, what I want to do is empowering fathers. Because I became one. I became a father that's present. And I love the name of the podcast. If there's one thing you got to do in your life, it's being present. Present is the biggest gift you can give to anyone, not your wife, everyone. If you give up your presence to someone, it's a gift. Especially today, we have so much information. You know, like it's everywhere. It's information. Everybody's on the phone. Like when you give your present, look in the eyes and say, hey, I hear you. I feel you. And I, didn't, I have no idea what that is, what that was. So through my process, you know, I, before I became a life coach, I went to containers, you know, pay a chunk of money. Like I want to do this. I want to get better. But, and just going back here, um, the presence was something that I didn't have it. And just go reward 10 years ago, I opened a restaurant. I opened the famous $1 million business, right? So everybody says, I want to have $1 million. Like, okay. And that really destroyed my life too. I learned so much, but I was not present. And that was one of the things when the pandemic came, I'm kind of going all over, but just to finish this part. When the pandemic came, I started to work a lot less. And I started to what? Be present with my kids. I, I've, I'm getting emotional now because I can feel like, oh, man, I fail as a father because I left them. I was in the restaurant. They were, you know, many times there. They grew up in the restaurant. And then pandemic came. I was working less, less, less. I started managing the restaurant through home. When pandemic was ending 
and business is coming up again. I have to work more. I like, I was lost. I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. And that's when I signed up for my first container of coaching. You know, I have a friend, I have, I have a lot of friends now, but I have a friend that was a coach. He also works with man, which is beautiful. He does rite of passages, um, which I'm doing one. It's four days without food by yourself on the desert. Um, I'm super scared. Um, and I call him and he's like, dude, go for it, do it. And after I did the container, I was like, you know what? We have to move out from the restaurant and I'm going to, you know, do coaching. That's what I want to do. I want to just, and that time I didn't know that I was be fatherhood, but then I started to dive into it and I was like, that's what I want to do it. So I see Justin has a question. So I put on the chat here. So yeah. I was, yeah. Oh, uh, Dustin, you Dustin. You go, you go, Dustin. You guys got to change your <laughs> names. I know. Yeah, it's <laughs> too close. So, Daniel, how does watching pornography lead to a father not being present? What is the mechanism that causes that? So it can be many things. OK, uh, each each problem, you know, I hate when I see those um, just join my program and um, you're going to finish your pornography addiction. It's usually a trauma story that we have it. But um I'll give you a few examples so you can you can see. So when you're watching pornography, first of all, you're doing you hiding that. You're not doing it in front of your kids. You're not doing it in front of your wife. So you're not being honest, right there. And that's one of my my values in life. You gotta let's be honest here, right? I want my kids to feel, not even see. Kids learn by example. And they feel it. A lot of the things we don't understand about the somatics, the kids are champions on somatics. They scream, they yell, they do all that. Now, now for, our, our, for our listeners, what is somatics? Can you go through that real quick and then we'll kind of step back into the process of the porn? Basically, is how the body speaks. For example, before I come to the podcast, I was like anxious, Right. So I'm going to go into my body. It's like, oh, I feel anxious. I acknowledge that. So it's, the, it's a, a very um, huge concept, but basically it's when the body is speaking. When we start to like feel, instead of to start to go here, we go in the body. Because the body keeps the whole trauma. Our, our head, the trauma is too much for our head. We cannot cope with that, especially if it's like sexual abuse, car accidents, many traumas. It goes to the body and gives you store on the body. So we need to process that. You know, um, I have a story about that. I'll tell quick. I ruptured my Achilles and I was 36. I was fit, eating health. I was like, what the heck is going on? By the time I didn't know, I was like, oh, it's just an injury because I work out a lot. I teach martial arts, I surf, all this. But later on, after my coach, I'm like, I was emotionally destroyed that age. And that was came out. People like, oh, really? I was like, well, that's a little part of the somatics. When you really started to understand and feel what your body. That answer your question? 
Yeah, so you're listening to the, the, the natural behaviors of, of your, your physical body. Okay, great. So I'm sorry, let's go back to um, the pornography and how it takes away from being present. Yeah, so the integrity is the first one because, you know, you're not going to use um, with the, you know, we're going to say my wife, hey, can I use the pornography? Maybe there is a consent there and that's a little, okay, it's fine. That's a health use of pornography. You know, when you when you have consent, when you're doing, you know, you're present on doing, doing that thing. But usually it's not. I have some numbers here that, you know, it, it's insane, the pornography industry. It's, it's, it's scary. 35% of the downloads on the Internet is pornography. So let's not even go there because that's the, the numbers are super scary. We, we can go after go the dust in here. So. That's one thing, integrity. Um, second thing, I am objectifying the woman. What, what that means, I'm turning the woman to a sex object. Why that? Because I see this pornography, I have a huge dopamine hit. It's like, wow, man, that was amazing. And I go to my wife and I'm having sex, think about that. So I'm not connecting at all with her. She's just an object of sex. Of course, we don't realize that. Um, trying to get one more example here. Um, the lack of intimacy. I think it all comes to really understand what intimacy is with your wife as well. So when you're using pornography, your intimacy is getting away from each other. Because you're not creating connections, you're objectifying the woman, you're not telling her the truth. So there's so, so many things that's going to take your presence away. And, you know, it, it's so shady because you have to hide the thing. The right. problem with pornography, the access is so easy. If we go here, we type something, I'm sure something's going to come up and for free. It's unfortunate, but that's the reality. So, so what I hear you saying is that, that basically there's a lot of guilt and shame uh, for a man when they're hiding their addiction and they don't want to put it in the light because, you know, it just creates more shame and guilt. Right. And that on the, the flip side of that, the more that they engage in pornography, the more unrealistic expectations they have of their of their wife and of their sexual encounters with their wives. And then you're saying on top of that, they're not even really intimately and emotionally connected to their wives, but they're actually just connected to the thoughts in their head of which they saw on the pornography. So there's, there's a lot of just like anchors tying. And them to make it even worse, you saw, you know, that crazy thing on whatever website is when you go and have sex with a wife is not the same. You're like, Oh shit. You know, I my sex life is okay. Of course, it's okay because you 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 have these illusionary thoughts and you know what you saw. That's not reality. And and this is really cool because when I got into really connect with my wife in a deeper level, and like just like pause during sex, and feel her breath like somatic. I'm like connecting with the breath because you know when you very close to someone, we start getting the same breath. And I started feeling, and I was like, wow, sex is getting better. At 46, I'm 46, sex is just getting better now. And when I started to create this intimacy, 
my life changed. I was like, I got, I got, I got to somehow get this man. There are, because, like I said, you know, there's many reasons you can go. There's traumatic experience that you can just like not receiving love is one. You don't know how to do with love. You don't know how to receive the love. That was a huge issue for me. I couldn't receive love. My mom triggered me. And I, I have to go. And it was one of the hardest talk I had in my life. Say, mom, I got to talk to you. I want to ask what happened. I want to ask questions. And it was beautiful. And from that moment, I started my healing journey. And what happened is I heal my wound with my mom. We call the mother wounds, mother and father wounds, which we all have it. Because our fathers are our caretakers. When I started healing that, my relationship with my wife started to change. And I started to like really understand what love is. And that was definitely a pivotal moment in my life where I was like, whoa. I never knew that I have this hole in my heart. And going there, like I said, it was one of the hardest things I did in my life. Just to come sit down with my mom and ask her powerful questions. Like questions that I didn't, I don't want, I don't want to ask still, but I went there. And that's one of the healings that I also work with a lot of fathers is their parents. It's, it's a huge part. And, you know, we are parents. We're going to fail. We're going to do mistakes. But we can also redo it, reparent. Like, okay, you know, I know I don't like to cuss here, but I cussed to my kid. You know, she was 13. And I cussed her. I was like, ah. did I cuss? Sorry. Justin's like laughing. So, <laughs> and I, 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 you know, I lost it. So I, I walked out of the room. And I did like a somatic breathing. I was like, okay, you just fucked up. I accept that. I acknowledge that. Okay. Okay. Now I can go there. I open her door and say, hey, I'm really sorry. This is going on and I don't want to be like that. And there's nothing that you did wrong. It was, it's on me. So I think I kind of answered that question of Dustin. Is that right? Um, more stuff will come out because, uh, you know, uh, the pornography, it, it, it is a huge, it's a huge industry. You know, there's a, I got some numbers from the internet and it's a, about a hundred billion dollars industry right now, you know, and 52% um, of men between 39 and 40, 45 are using it. And when I think about that, 39 to 45 is when you get your second child, your child are growing up, and what is left? What is left is keep creating the connection. You guys had a, a podcast here with a guy that says four things a father should have. And he said, last one was growth, learning. And that's one of my values. Because we have to keep learning, we have to keep growing and growing our connections. And going back to the very first part, going, growing and being present. How can I be more present? You know, just one, one more thing about being present is when your kid's doing something, oh, dad, look at here. You say, oh, that's great. That's not being present. Being present is going there and it's like, 
whoa, tell me more. What, what do you see there? How, how is this? And what is that? It's like, oh, okay. So you, those connections, I, I didn't have in my life. You know, and I don't blame my parents because they did their best with what they knew by that time. But now I get to research even more to know more so I can give even more for my kids. Yeah. So you, you discussed, you discussed like past traumas being one of the things that you had to fix for your, your pornography addiction. Uh, you, you discussed uh, a couple other core issues that at least triggered the awareness that you needed to quit, like your intimacy or the lack thereof with your wife. Uh, so with your ultimate guide to end, end porn addiction, um, what is, how are the ways that you address overcoming uh, the struggle and rebuilding trust with your family for the, for the men that you teach? So, like I said, you know, each story is different. That's why it's right. very important to work someone because we can work with that, you know, um, like 15 minute video and you watch like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And, and it's going to be good. It's going to be great. And you're going to do it. And but something along the way is going to trigger you back. So. Um, acknowledging that that's an issue. So. That's one of the, the, the most guilty thing. You come to your wife, you know. I have I have a client that, you know, he was six years in pornography. And it's like, I haven't told her. I was like, okay, what do you want to do? What do you think you should do? I, I, I got to tell her. Go ahead, tell her. You know, you just need to accept that it's okay, man. We're going to fail. We're not perfect. So acknowledging that that's a problem. And then when you acknowledge, start asking powerful questions. You know, uh, one exercise that I do is the values. What is the values in your life? You know, you can say my family, um, health, and growth. Three of my values, right? Does watching pornography aligns with your family values? Does watching pornography aligns with your growth? It's like you fucking know. Sorry, because again, Justin's gonna like just like enjoy. It's like man, George's not here, so we take advantage. <laughs> You're gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> I'm gonna be in trouble. So I acknowledge that. Okay. The second one, as a man, we like a plan. It's like you know what? I'm gonna give you two weeks, August twenty. I'm gonna quit. You know, and I'm gonna keep my word then we have an accountability. You share with someone, share with a friend, say, hey man, I'm facing this problem, I want you to hold me accountable. That's why men's group are really uh, important for that cause. Or, you know, just have a, you know, we, we talk about there's a lot of men's group. It's great, men's group, men's group. What do you guys have here is a men's group. You know, getting together here on the podcast, online, you guys are holding each other accountable. You know, I mean, if, if one of you guys started doing something that's like not aligned, you're going to call it off. It's like, man, we're talking about this on the podcast and you're doing that. That doesn't work. We've had some tough interchanges. Yeah. We've had to yeah. let each other know. You're not. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. definitely hold each other accountable. That's why I say this is our therapy because we grow with every father that comes on here or every person's story and we, we can learn from their story. Um, but, you know, it's it's more... 
not only the stories that change, it's just seeing the effects that, you know, change brings for all these men and for their families. We want that for our families. So. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's beautiful because you guys are reaching out with something that's so positive and so needed right now. We talked a little bit before the masculine side being destroyed by the feminine movement, you know, so we got to empower our boys. I have two girls too, but I want to empower the boys so my girls can have a man that can hold them, a man that can lead them. You know, and I say that with passion, I can feel it. Again, somatics, I can feel it like my body is going because I want I want a real man for my kids. I don't want a right. guy that's like just, you know, providing, you know, that. But let's stop here. Let's go back to, to, to Brandon just to finish that. Because you say, you know, you acknowledge the problem. Um, you, the accountability is great. Sharing with someone is really powerful because the guy might say, it's like, dude, I have the same problem. And that happens a lot on the containers that I put it together. When one guy speaks something, it's like, oh, I'm facing the same thing. And together, we're stronger. Together, it's easy to do it. And as a man, man doesn't need help. That's how you grow up. Your dad say, come on, get up, man, let's go. Oh, stop crying. Don't do that. Oh, you can do it. You know, that's my story. But... I know I speak for a lot of men because we never got acknowledged. I was like, oh, you fell, man. That really hurts. Like, my dad never said that. You know, he fell. You get up, man. Come on. We got to go. So those principles is very important to bring it back. Right? And then, you know, to finish, I think what really heals someone to get off pornography is building the intimacy. And, of course, that was my road. When I start discovering this layer of intimacy, man, and, and you know, there's a, a lot of little things that I say, you know, try to hold her hands. Like tonight, you're going to go out, hold her hands. Like as soon as you let it go, go back and, and grab her hand. I have a ritual every morning, give her, my wife, a hug and say good morning. Many days I don't want to do it, but somatically, I know that I need to feel her body. And when I do it, I feel better. Sometimes don't, but it's, it's a process. I'm putting my money and time on my growth, and that is my practice. A lot of people get a lot of videos, a lot of information, listen to this podcast here, but when are you going to practice? You know, I had a client that was like, yeah, I, I know all this information. I was like, okay, so what are you going to do with the information? Right. Knowledge versus application. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. Great. So. You know, just to, to finish that, the intimacy is a huge piece that's going to really, you like, you don't want to do more pornography after you really become intimate because that's going to give you the presence and intimacy for your kids, which sometimes you don't understand. Like, intimacy with my kids, yes. You know, you get to really know them. They get to feel you, get to feel them. Yeah, and it's it's so crazy. But what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, I know we did talk about masculinity, and it's because... If you look at all the amazing guys we've had on this show, all of them talk about one specific thing, and that's how society is trying to kill masculinity and the traditional father. Fathers are supposed to be present. They're supposed to be masculine. They're supposed to be leaders who lead by example, not by words. And they're also supposed to be somebody who is always going to try to do the right thing no matter what their wants or needs are. So they're, they're not selfish. 
But the problem is when you kill masculinity, you're killing a lot of parts of a healthy relationship that women need to have intimate feelings towards you. And that's what a lot of guys get into addiction from is lack of intimacy. They feel like the wife doesn't want anything. So they're looking for an outlet. They're looking for somewhere, you know, that they can go and feel love or feel that dopamine rush. But what people don't realize is that this is the same addiction as heroin. It's such a strong dopamine hit that you become, you know, trained to not feel anything. And then you finally just become numb and you wonder why you don't feel emotions it's a never ending cycle. And that's why guys don't understand is that mass, the, the killing of masculinity is what leads to these major issues because your family could be whole if you're the masculine role model and you're doing the things that, you know, a lot of our guests give examples to do. If you do these things like John Michael Clark said in this upcoming episode we got coming out, do these things. Your wife will not be able to keep her hands off you. And then you won't have to worry about pornography because you will have the intimacy. You will have you know, all the things that you need in life, you will be present with not only her, but with your kids and everyone else. So it's, I think it is a never ending cycle. Once you get in it, it's very hard to get off that wheel. And I think masculinity and accountability are definitely huge answers. I I really appreciate the fact that you said that because I I think those two for me are what, what holds me from doing stuff like that. Because I think about if I were to use pornography, I would stop and think, you know, oh, well, I'm, I'm not doing right by myself. I'm only hurting myself. I'm hurting the way I feel on a daily basis, but I'm also hurting my family because is this the kind of man I want my kid, my, my daughter in the future to marry? Do I want a man that doesn't show her affection and love? No, of course not. You want someone who's going to be an example of you and your family. So yeah, that's just my two cents, but I, I appreciate the fact you said those things. I love that. There's two things there. The awareness that you have between oh, I'm going to do pornography, and then there's awareness. That's a gap that it's, that's how you create. When you have that awareness of asking powerful questions, you know, you don't go that way. The polarity about the feminine and the masculine is really important to have it. You know, and like you say, I, I, I you know, even the conspiracy theory, like they're killing the, that. You know, the feminine movement is great. There is a lot of laws and payments and yes, but also we need to understand that we got empowering our boys. We need to show those kids, hey, you know, I have an example. You know, I was in my kid. He switched from a little bike. He's four years old to a bigger bike, 12 inch wheel to a 16. You know, it's a huge difference for him, not for us. You know, for me, I'm tall, this little bike, I was just moving to another bike. So I was like, well, how am I going to push him to be a strong man, but also in a lovely way? So I started to see the problem with his own eyes. I was like, well, he is four years old. It is a huge change. So I acknowledged that. I was like, wow, that's is he going for a big bike? So I started to see the problem with his eyes. And he would give up. And I would, I would stick with him. I was present. Love the name. I was present with him. I was like, no, I'm going to stay present. You know, it's not about how, oh, you have to be patient when you're parents. It's like, um, yes, you have to be patient. But we also create this connection. So it, it was, I'm telling you, it was about four hours, guys. It wasn't just, I was like, you know what? Let's go get some food. Because like, well, maybe he's hungry too. Let's feed him. 
I was like, okay, we're going to feed. And my son, he's a little hypersensitive. So I have to give him a plan. I need to really understand what this scenario is. Oh, we're going to go. It's going to be loud. Um, so I said, we're going to go get food. And then we're going to come back to this bike lane here. And we're going to try one more time. He's like, okay, daddy. And then... A few, a few tries, a lot of tries. I was gonna say, for for about four hours. It, it's he's riding the bike and saying, "But dad, this is the fat, the fastest bike ever, and I'm gonna call it Speedy." <laughs> I love it. That's amazing, Dustin. I think you wanted to say something there. Yeah, I love to hear that about overcoming those challenges. I've been teaching my son how to swim. And he went from a lot of fear to he cannot get enough of the water. And it just happened overnight over, yeah, probably about a two or three hour period of really getting in the pool and getting rid of that fear. And there is nothing more fun than giving your children those skills and watching them ride a bike or swim. It's, it's such a wonderful feeling. Um, I was looking at a chart a minute ago and I wanted to ask your take on this. Uh, and it seems to be related to triggers for men. So erectile dysfunction was about 15 to 20% of the population in young men under 40 uh, back in the 1970s. And it looks like it's getting closer to 40 or 50% among men under 40 uh, for Americans today. Um, so it's a very big problem. And some of that is probably due to obesity, health issues, things like that. But I wonder if some of it is due to the brain kind of being rewired by pornography to where... Uh, they're only interested in what they see on the computer versus, you know, with their, with their relationships. I'm curious your take on that. Well, my, my take will be, will go to being physical. I think when you stop being physical and I mean, exercising and pushing that, that's going to affect your brain. You know, um, many studies, how to keep your brain health is exercising. So I preach that for my kids. I do believe there's no better way to take care of, well, I'm, I'm going to go a little route different here because I'm not an expert on that, but I cope with my traumas because of my martial arts. I had a lot of anger. I was like, I'm, I am exploding anytime. I f let's fight. Let's... Uh, uh, uh. And, you know, that when the somatic came, I started to process anger, which is physical. So going back to, to that, Dustin, I think the problem today is it's okay to have a big bell as a dad. It's became very comfortable to not work out, not do something. I, I do martial arts. I've done seen my whole life. I teach martial arts, done so many. I think every, every father should do martial arts. Every man should do martial arts. Because first of all, you're providing safety. You know, there is, uh, for, for, for now, this is, this is cool because uh, I know I'm moving a little bit over. But uh, for you to build intimacy with your wife, she needs to be safe. Sometimes, sometimes it's financial, emotional, sometimes it's physically. We have to go to back to traumas because if she was, you know, her father used to beat her up, 
she she's going to look for a man that can protect her. There's no doubt about it. She's not going to get a weak guy. Get doesn't you know, yeah, maybe he's financially successful, but if that doesn't have the physical, she's not going to. So for me, all these numbers that we see, like you know, things getting worse and worse, is about we getting back to our principles of um, of being a man, being the, the protector. Bring the I, hey, I'm here to protect you. You know, I'm here to make you feel safe. You know, it, it, and this is the somatic comes into it. If you walk in the street, it's dark. You and your wife. There's two guys coming in. The first thing I'm going to do is grab my wife, my hand, her hands. She's going to feel it that, hey, I'm here. You know, so I think that moving the body, it's really important. And I think that's where the gap is happening right now. Ah, it's okay. And, and look, kids learn by example. If you see your dad growing the belly, it's like, oh, you know what? I don't need to do exercise. I don't need to take care of my body. It's okay. Look at my dad. He doesn't take care of his body. Why am I going to do it? That makes sense, Dustin. I know it's a little... No, that's a strong but... point. Oh, the dad bod is not great. I, I know. We joke about it all the time. Oh, you have a dad bod. No big deal. It's in. And uh, yeah, a, a big belly you know, makes a lot of things that you want to work not work as well. Your knees hurt. Um, your brain isn't as sharp. And uh, you know, you're... Um, Maybe downstairs isn't firing on all cylinders like it used to. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I mean, testosterone levels will rise as you exercise. Right. You know, and, and it, it's basic. It's like basic math, you know. And we are human beings. We're supposed to be moving. You know, we're not supposed to be seating. We're not supposed to be on screens the whole time. You know, I have a lot of practice that I do for my sleep, for like not being online. You know, being present. For example, there's two things that I do with my phone. You know, after my shower, it's about 8 o'clock, 8 p.m., it's off. I put on airplane mode. When I wake up in the morning, until the kids are out of, in the car, going to school, I don't turn on my phone. I don't have any distractions there. Because one thing comes, another thing comes, like, you know what? No. I'm going to take the kids, so I'm going to be present this morning, the kids, because that's the time that I have with them. You know, so, but the dad belly the doesn't, doesn't do for me. I, I <laughs> unfortunately, and I have a lot of judgment, and I kind of let it, like, I have to coach myself, like, no, it's, you don't know their story, just, but. Well, the, the physicality behind it is definitely an element, but there's definitely an, another neuro neurological and a psychological element there, too, because, Pornography addiction, time and time again, has, as far as like testing and scientific research, has shown that it results in physical changes, specifically uh, in the shrinking of gray matter in your brain. Right? Um, it diminishes ex executive function. Um, you're 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 critical to affect decision making. Your self control. It, it diminishes um, and it creates a loss of healthy neurons. So there's a lot of things that um, mentally pornography will destroy in your, in your mind. And we see that because there's a degradation. And one of the really interesting things that I've seen like Jordan Peterson and a couple other psychologists talk about is um, people with psychosis, like psychotic people um, or sociopathic people 
uh, all the ones that, that ended up being mass murderers or serial killers or anything like that, they usually point back their, their start of their journey was pornography. And so it's, it's definitely a very dangerous, slippery slope for a lot of men, unfortunately. And, and I can't stress enough that, that it, it just, it, it's thrashing men's brains and they don't, they don't realize it. They're, they're just focused on the, the ecstasy of, of the, 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 the quick, um, satisfaction of it. And it's so sad. Um, and, and that's why I try to help encourage dads to, to remove it from their lives. And, and there are apps that help with that. One of them specifically being, uh, the covenant eyes app. I've helped a couple of men, uh, be held accountable. I would hold them accountable on their, their pornography addiction to help them quit. And so when I would see a report, the report would tell me whether or not they've been looking at pornography. And if they have, I call them up and say, Hey brother, we need, we need to discuss this. You know, we gotta, we gotta work on this. this. So what happened, what triggered it? And how do we help you not be triggered by this? How do we help you cope? Like you said, exercise, diet, you know, things that help you control yourself mentally. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one of the things that just, it, it, it's really bothered me because I've seen so many men affected by it. And, and Daniel, one of my questions to you is you were discussing how you want to, to raise your boys to be, to be good men, to be masculine men. How are you through your, your one, your guide and two, your coaching, how are you coaching them to stay away from pornography? The first thing is to talk about it. Okay. Sex is something that my parents never talked about it to me. And then when I got out in the streets about 13 years old to become a man, you have to have sex. So my story around sex, it was all messed up. So the first thing is to have open conversations about sex, and that goes all the time. You know, me and my wife, and I, I have to give this a lot to my wife because she never had any problem talking about my kids about sex. If we think about sex, is the most beautiful thing we have. It's how we're made. That's, that's life right there. And through the years, there's all this, you know, of course, there's pornography, there's, but it became something that's dirty. And, you know, there's a lot of women that are really empowered, like sex coaches that like bring that back. And I think for my boy, you know, I have two girls and one boy, but for, for all of them, I, I want to I wanna talk about it. When I talk about it, they have the right to talk about it. That's how they feel. So when I'm sharing, they feel that they can share. If I, if I cry, they feel they can cry. So they are, that's the, they're learning by example. If I'm coming to, to my boy and say, you know, yeah, you know, uh, you know, giving nicknames, all these nicknames, you know, this is your penis. You know, that's our vagina, vulva, whatever you want to call it. Starting there. You know, on the way here, um, I was dropping my daughter to volleyball, 14 years old. And I said, oh, I'm going to do a, por- a podcast and it's going to be about pornography. She's like, I was like, yeah, unfortunately, it is a huge topic nowadays. And I, I mean, 90% of children under 12 okay, are using pornography. 
So okay, we get the kids here. Nine percent of. Did you say ninety percent, Daniel? Nine, 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 nine. Is my my broke English here? After twenty three, I still. No, that's such a shocking number that I. (laughs) But nine percent. If you're twelve years old, hold on. How are you getting access? And then that's your parents. That that's your fault, not controlling your kids. Not you're protecting. Not you're not protecting them, right? That's you're, not, you're not involved in their life enough to know that this is occurring. Exactly. How come a nine years old is going to get into the? You know, that's you need to be aware. Of. You know, I understand that you go to a restaurant, you got to put your kid on on the. The, the iPad or whatever, I'm against that. I make a plan. I have I have several games I do on the table. My four years old, and there is no phone for him. There is nothing because he's gonna start to know later on when he's nine, he can do anything. So, you know, when, when you think about that number, that I always go back to the number. You know, thirty five percent of downloads are pornography. On the internet today, 35%, one third of what is available, which you have so much great information here today, is pornography. We need to take action. You guys here are taking action, bring it up and let's bring the subject. Let's talk more. Let's go there, you know, because it's not okay. Right. Especially for children. And, and the good news is there's a lot of states uh, last month, I, I think it was maybe two or three weeks ago, that recently passed a bill that requires a specific signature login in order for people to access pornography. And so the age restriction thing is starting to become a real relevant thing. And they're, they're actually building it to where you can literally go to any of these websites and it shows that you have to sign these things and you have to prove your age. Uh, and that involves like um, identification, verification stuff like that. And so that's a great first step. But then, unfortunately, we have things like OnlyFans and we have people uh, just uh, exacerbating that issue. Like a lot of young, younger men, uh, especially gamer generation, are just they call it simping or or lusting after women. And it's an unfortunate side effect because there's there's only a specific group of men that women target as far as, you know, who they chase after, who they select as, as potential mates and or potential husbands. And the rest of them are left to fend for themselves in loneliness and isolation. And then they look on the internet and they have anything that fulfills any kind of destiny or fantasization that they want. And so it's, it's a very unfortunate byproduct of, of having internet. But um, I love Dustin, Justin, I'd love for you guys to jump in and maybe touch on that as well. Go ahead, Dustin. So I read an article yesterday that uh, Andreessen Horowitz, which is a uh, prominent uh, multi-billion dollar venture capital firm, is developing a specialized kind of relationship chatbot, essentially, that will be AI, um, like the most beautiful woman you can imagine. And then, you know, she's AI powered to talk to you. And so I'm curious, Daniel, your thought on, you know, how, how are men going? I mean, you know, Pornography in the '70s is very different, you know, than it is today. It's it's a um, a whole different experience. And as these companies are pouring probably millions to billions of dollars into these new technologies to just target the limbic system directly, uh, you know, what 
what do you do aside from just staying away from it and closing your eyes and running away screaming? <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. These, these new, you know, it's, it, it, I made me sick when you, when you mentioned that, because it is a 12 annually $12 billion industry. It's insane. You know, um, how do you fight that? It's like, you know, you want to fight the government about how the healthcare system works. It's almost impossible. So it is empowering the leaders of the family, which are the fathers. It is what we're doing right here, you know, because we're going to connect here. You know, we, with this, we don't have, a, it, was, it was great information. Okay, we can get a lot more, yes. But if we have, with this information here, there's another father that listen, and there's another one and another one is there is no effect, you know, snowball effect. Little by little, we're going to starting to understand that this must be talked. This got to be exposed a lot more than it is. Because everything is hidden, if you see. Of course, you know, it's like, but when I said pornography, a lot of people, you know, one of my first posts when I started becoming coach, I have friends in Brazil calling me. I was like, hey, dude, what's going on, man? You did porn what's going on with the pornography? It's like, yeah, let's talk about pornography. I think bring this subject, having more podcasts, because podcast is such an open platform for rich people, sharing as much as you can. And if you see someone with that issue, it's like, hey, man, let me support you. You know, That's if you don't have, if you cannot have, give itself that support. It's like, hey, I know where you can go. Mm. It's a big fight, man. <laughs> well, I was going to say the one thing that, that I've always found leads men down dark roads is just one feeling, and that's loneliness. We've all felt loneliness. We all feel alone as men, especially in a world like today's. Let's just be honest. The, the world, it separates us as much as it possibly can from each other. And loneliness is definitely something that I, hell, I've even combated um, still to this day. I mean, I, I, I feel, you know, issues with that every now and again, but loneliness in a, they actually did. I read something yesterday when we were preparing for this. Um, there was a study it's called uh, in pornography use and loneliness, a bi-directional recursive model and pilot investigation. So Literally four doctors studied almost 1300 patients and they found that pornography use begets loneliness and loneliness begets pornography use. So it's just a vicious cycle. The lonelier you feel, the more you want pornography and the more pornography you use, the lonelier you feel. So it just, it's, and it's never ending. And they found that, uh, you know, porn use, regardless of someone's situation, significantly increased loneliness. Uh, so that's, that's something that a lot of men already struggle with anyways is loneliness and, and feeling like they don't have support. So I think you, you mentioning support is definitely one of the biggest things uh, because we, we, as men, we all feel those things. We, we won't admit it. We won't, but. Right there. Once you acknowledge that, that's the first step. You know, once you have more people talking about and bring that on, we're going to realize oh, maybe I should take a bigger look into this and ask some questions and just tap a little bit more. You know, um, it's scary. 
you know, when you, what we just share here, this is powerful, man. This is scary. I think as more we talk about it, as more we expose what really does to your brain, to your body, you will, you will, that, that's the, the, the only tools you have right now. And the, the, two, the two key things that will always combat the good is, one, we have a moral decay of society, right? We have a lot of fatherless children. We have a lot of young men that, that have no moral compass whatsoever. And it's just whatever their pleasure or temptation is at the time, they seek it, whether it's drugs, gaming, sex, anything. And unfortunately, the world is hypersexualized and hyper-connected. And those two things usually go hand in hand, unfortunately. And, and there's, there's numerous other things that and I think one of the hardest pills to swallow is that a lot of people are weak minded. And so they have to be codependent that they can't sit with loneliness or boringness. It just like, it's one of the, the, the things that they, whether it's trauma or whether it's some kind of past event, whatever it is, they can't sit with that. They have to go from one relationship to the next. They can't, they can't take a break and say, okay, what was my hand in my failed relationship? What was my hand in this addiction? And they, they can't sit in it. They always have to pass to the next thing, one after the other. And it's so unfortunate because, like you said, if there's an awareness, it's like, okay, I need to find a brotherhood, stop isolating. I need to have accountability. And I need to steal my mind. I need to be able to be by myself, feel lonely, feel whatever emotions that I have, accept them, pass through them, and then work on making the good emotions the ones that are, that are prevalent by, by practicing things that make me healthy, right? And so there's, it's such a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people. They don't want to accept the fact that they can't be alone. They're codependent or they have, you know, a multiple personality disorder. You know, there's there a lot of psychology there. But, but yeah, it's, it's an unfortunate thing because all these things work together against somebody, right? And so... I, I think you're right with the awareness part. It's, it's a very important part of, of the, or a piece of the puzzle there. Well, you touched on something big too. Something else that I didn't get to mention from that study I read about the two greatest deterrents that they found of the 1300 participants was greater religious value and higher education were the two largest deterrents from pornography use. Wow. So I just put those do it do with that what you will i guess uh yeah and you know being a role model you know when you are present where you building teams if, if if your kids see you know mom and dad kissing hugging holding hands all of that being a role model for your, our kids that's one of the biggest solutions because our kids are our future so if maybe the generation that's now, you know, lost and feeling loneliness cannot handle that, not sure what's going to happen, but we can do with our kids. The next generation, we can show them, we can guide, we can lead, we can support them and show them, hey, this is the way. And, that, and, and that's what a father is. Hey, man, this is the way, you know, like it, We'll go back to like pushing your kids, you this know. This is the way. This is the way. Here you go. The, the war. I had to. I'm sorry. I can't help myself. This is the way. 
I'm your father. I'm not your father. What was it? I forgot. <laughs> yeah. <about> it. <laughs> <laughs> so my son's name is Lucas. So I love to say, Luke, uh, I am your father. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, being the father, <laughs> it, 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 that, that's our gift. Understanding fatherhood is a gift. You get to be the leader. And you have to choose, you know, how you're going to lead them. You know, awareness again, Brendan, you know, having the awareness of like how I'm going to lead my kids. So what do you just, just a, looking at how we're having to adapt as fathers, you know, the modern father, so to speak, um, how do you envision uh, a father adapting, like, let's say some of the key attributes um, to being a, an effective father other outside of awareness and and education is is there anything specific that you think would help them uh, become better uh, fathers can, can you ask one more time the question sure sure so you know fathers are evolving um mm -hmm. and and there's a lot of things that like technology that make us evolve and you know those kind of things so is there anything like attribute wise that you think would make a, a father more effective at in his fatherhood journey yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, um, will help the journey. One exercise that I love is the values. So when I do my values, I can do everything, all my actions based on the values. If I'm in, in trouble, I, I don't really understand if I should go right or left. I was like, what do my values say? You know, like I say, family is my value. Growth. Growth is very important for a father. A father must be seeking to grow. Seeking to build more with the kids, with the family, whatever, for himself itself. One thing that I, when I start my containers, um, is what are you doing for yourself? You got to put yourself first. You're not being selfish. Not at all. You got to put yourself first. Oh, no, but my wife uh, create the time. You know, I like to surf. So I create the time. Sometimes it's five in the morning. You know, sometimes they say, hey, my wife. Um, I say, I was going to say, say, hey, love, but then Justin's going to make fun of me. So I say, hey, love. I'm not going to make fun of that. <laughs> I say, hey, love, I really got to go surfing. The waves are crashing, and, and I know the day is crazy. So I'm going to set up the breakfast. I'm going to put the clothes that the four years old going to wear. I'm going to make his lunch. Is there anything else you need for me to go? I'm not giving much an option. I'm saying that I'm going surf. But I am setting her for success as well. And then, look, in the evening, you can go do yoga, whatever. You get your three hours. I love you know. it. So love going back to that, Brendan, I have a program that is coming up in October called Fill It Up. You got to fill it up your cup first. So that's where dad gets lost because, like, you know, I got to do that for my wife. I got to do that for my kids. I get it. But first... What are you doing for yourself? You have a life too. You got to fulfill that life. Oh yeah, my kids fulfill my life. My wife fulfill my life. I get it. 
But what would you like to do if you have a magical wand and have two hours right now? What well, what do you like to do? No, sit with that question. You know, it's not like oh, I will do this and then no, no. I'm going to do this. So we need to know that. So that's awareness of like what what I really want. I want my family to succeed and everything. But I what I I want for myself. I want I I for example I need to feel good. So I'm going to show up for my kids. I'm going to show up for my wife. So if I fill it up my cup, then I'm going to be the best version of myself. And that's one of the biggest pieces as well for a man to accept that. You're not being selfish. You you deserve it. I really like that. And I can't be a good father if I'm not happy. You know, I have to have my cup full before I can I can give my son what he needs. I took my son to uh, karate lessons for the first time today. He's three and a half. And it's interesting what you mentioned, because I see so many dads and moms that don't really participate. They bring their children to an activity like baseball, for example, and they sit and they watch and they have no interaction at all. And I took my son to karate and he's young. So, of course, that's part of it. When he's older, they might not be as encouraging, but they said, do the punches and the kicks with him. So I did an hour karate lesson with my son. Dustin got beat up. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. My <laughs> <laughs> The sensei is this lovely 75-year-old woman. And, uh, you know, um, I have some red marks on my face because she beat me up. But, you know, that's okay. She's, she's skilled. I'm not, you know, it's not emasculating. Uh, but, but doing that with him brought me a lot of joy. And I think that's something that I'm going to make a, a point of is that if I'm going to have my, you know, I'm going to drive my son to an activity, I'm going to be involved in some way, whether it's as a coach or as um, an, an umpire uh, or something. I'm not going to sit on the bleachers for three hours and not be a part of it because uh, that's just, you know, it disconnects you from your children. And it's, that's, you know, that's no fun. You have to go out and do some stuff with your kids yourself. So um, Dana, you had mentioned uh, some things about rites of passage, how you as an adult um, are going to do something. Do you have anything special that you have done with your kids where you say, all right, instead of just, all right, you went to college or you got a job or you had sex, you know, these are kind of our traditional rights of manhood, so to speak. Do you have anything special that you've set aside for your children where you say, all right, these are some unique things that I'm going to teach you that mean that you've become a man or become a woman? Love that. Uh, yes. Um, before my both kids get their period, um, my wife started to put a book together. And what a woman, what being a woman means the menstruation is something beautiful. And every kid that you ask is like, ah, oh my gosh, it's disgusting, is this, is that. So, and there's a lot of women that has trauma about the first period. There's traumatized for life. You know, I know because in containers that we, we, we coach, there was women that I'm like sharing that. So we made a rite of passage for my kids when they got their period. We talk a while back, that's going to happen to your body. And that's beautiful. Bleeding, that's how life happens. It's sacred. So we did this kind of ritual with them. And it's still ongoing, you know, um, 
Exactly. It's super positive. It is positive. How are you being born? It's because your mother had a period. You know, that's it. You know, it's, it's a spiritual, beautiful thing. So our rites of passage for my girls, of course, for the boys, it's going to be different. But uh, it was teaching them uh, all this about a woman's body, what's going to happen. And when the period came, they were fine. It was not a shocking. It was like, oh, I got my period. You know, of course, they share a little bit more of my wife. But, you know, dad, I need to go get pads. Like, oh, let's go. You know, just like last week, you know, she's 13. You know, I felt like, wow, man, this is, she said in a way that I was like, and, you know, he, he, here's the thing. You have a thousand opportunities to build intimacy with your kids if you pay attention. But we're busy. So you stop, drop the phone, drop everything, turn off everything, and start just to pay attention on them, being present with them. And, you know, I was really excited because I, I caught it. I was like, oh, that felt so good to my ears when she said that. Such an like, oh, Dad, we need to go buy pads. Like, let's go, you know? So my rights of passage for the girls was, you know, me and my wife, and my wife was the one that was like really putting a lot of time together. And we're still going to finish probably like the end of this year. We finished the whole thing. Um, it was that. Another thing was um, when they moved my 14 years old, she's going to high school now. We made a rite of passage with a, a group of eight kids. Me and my wife, we invite the other parents. Like, hey, we want to do a rite of passage for them. Because it's another mark on your life. So we made a ritual. We made a ceremony. Me and my wife conducted the ceremony. We brought them together. We did a beautiful thing. We did several little things that was important. And it's, it's a mark on their lives going from middle school to high school. The middle school process is really important. You know, I mean, I know that we are a little ahead. Brandon has a nine years old, so you're going to that phase. Uh, you're going to see when the kid comes 11, he is going to like kind of like glue to the friends now. And how you bring them back, being present, chasing those a thousand opportunities that we have, saying something, connecting, you know, asking powerful questions, all these little things. So that was my process for my girls. I have a 13. She has one more year in the middle school. And we're going to do another ceremony. If it's just her, we're going to do just her. We're going to stop. We're going to dress up. We're going to go to a beautiful place. We're going to write each other a letter and, you know, what she represents and all of that. For my boy, my goal is to do a rite of passage. I am doing one at 46 um, in the end of October. So I'm going to this desert and I'm going to be by myself without any food, without a shelter for four days. It was nice knowing you. I'm glad we got to chat with you before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. I say. So uh, Jerry Azuma is a coach and he does this program. He does so many, so many men. He works with men. So it's a good guy for guys to bring here. Jerry Azuma, I'll send him his information. Um, he's been doing men's work for a long time. And that's going to be my rite of passage because I didn't have that. 
and I feel that I need to face something really challenging. Because a rite of passage is when you face something really challenging. You know, and I, I'm putting myself out there. You know, I'm going to be in this place that I don't know where it is. And for my son, I want to do something similar with that. I probably want to take him to nature and say, hey, maybe he spent one night by himself. I'll keep an eye, whatever I need to do it. But I want to do something like that. So now, you know, Dustin, I love that you asked this question because I think that's really important to mark a transition from a kid to a teenager, a teenager to a man. And let's say we bring it back to the city, to the modern days. How am I going to create this, this rite of passage with my kids? Men's are very creative. We, we, we're going to do something. So we're going we're gonna to bring, hey, look, you're going to become a man. That there's, there's, you know, you're going to explain to him. We're going to tell him what we're going to do. Maybe we're going to climb a mountain. Maybe if you, you know, um, Dustin, your son is swimming, we're going to swim across this channel here. You know, um, I, in my opinion, got to be something that overcoming a challenge and supporting him through the challenge. You know, of course, we want to bring something that's doable. We don't want to say, hey, you're going to climb, uh, what do you call it, Mount Everest. No, that's not going to work. <laughs> but, uh, you know, bring back to, the, to the, the city, to the morning days, you know, like, you know, you know what? I'm going to do a 20-mile bike ride, you know, um, and that's going to be celebrated. And we're going to sit down maybe in a fire and say, hey, what was your biggest challenge during that? How, how was it? And we're going to talk about it. And you're going to give him a gift. It could be a little thing. You say, hey, brother, brother, no, but hey, here is a gift for you to remember this moment. You know, so I'm recognizing that that kid is becoming a man. So that's how I would bring, you know, that rites of passage to the, to the modern father's situation it's awesome you gave me some great ideas for for my son i'm, I'm going to give him some challenges we'll go hiking and do some you know hunting and fishing and gathering you know teach him teach him some of the ways of the world and create some challenges for him and celebrate it i think that'd be great or even do it with a group you know yeah yeah and th there are groups out there you know that does that you know but if, if you hunt if you fish for example like fishing fishing is you know the, the first door for like the hunting is you can set up like we're going to go fishing but here's the thing we're going to wake up we're not going to eat until you get the fish you know hopefully we get the fish but <laughs> hey, <I'm> just, <laughs> <laughs> a little trout but uh, like, otherwise, daddy's got some snacks in the back i didn't tell you about <laughs> sorry kid get that get that classic index up let's go you know you, you bring something here that's it's kind of a joke but uh you know our kids are so like comfortable today. This is snacking. Oh, there is snacks, snacks, snacks. It's like, you know what? I, I, I gave my kids sometime four years old. I just take water. Dad, I want a snack. It's like, buddy, we got to go back home because we only have water. Oh my God. Okay. Now, you know, if I say you only have water, oh, let me have the water. Okay. Let's go back home. So creating this too is also showing them that, like, hey, you're powerful. You know, you you have you have powerful. You know, maybe you didn't catch the fish. But I was like, you know, you know, we spent six hours there fishing. I'm so proud of you. 
because we stick it. And I know that you want it. It didn't happen, but, you know, here's your gift because that was a big challenge. Tell me about it. You know, so we, we can create so many rites of passages. There's so many ways to do it. And you can go back to the ancient tradition of the indigenous, whatever you, your lineage come from, too, you know. That's a great idea. And I like the idea of tying privileges and responsibilities to that as well. Say you're 15 years old, you've passed the right, you've uh, caught the fish. But now, in addition to that, you get the privilege of being allowed to go outside by yourself for eight hours, whereas you weren't allowed to before. But then the responsibility is that if you do something wrong, you lose that privilege, right? So I think tying that together with one major moment while you were together really cements at home that I was serious when I said, these are your, your privileges and your responsibilities and they can be taken away. So that, that's kind of an interesting option there too. Yeah, and, and, and that's great. And bring me back to stick with that too, you know? When you say no, it's a no. You know, when you take that, that's an issue with younger kids. You know, when you say no, 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 and then you go yes, hmm, that's not good. You know, you broke that, that, then he knows that you can always, he's going to go for that, you know, until you say yes. So, yeah, that's worse than if you just said yes the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Get five so, no's and a yes, all he hears is yes, and he can. And, and this is leadership. This is like really teaching your kids, you know, what it means to be a father. It's like, hey, this is a no. You know, my four years old, I say, hey, buddy, I told you, that's a no. And, and that, there's no negotiable. That's it. It's a no, and it's a no. He's going to go and do it. Yes. You know, that's because he's a four years old. But this is a no, and he will understand. Yeah, that's so important. And I know my son's already starting to play my wife and I to where he'll ask mom. And then if she says no, he'll come ask me and I have to and I'll say, oh, that seems fine. But let me go check with your mom first. And then she had a reason to say no. <laughs> and I'll say, I see what you did, buddy. I just checked with your mom. She you guys said against no. each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She said no. I don't know why, but what she said goes. So, yeah, that, that's a no. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> well, that, that, that doesn't end either. So I like, oh, like it's almost nine and he's still doing it. And I said, son, whatever your mother says, if, if this is something that, and look, so, cause me and my wife, anything we've agreed upon beforehand, if she answers no, I know for a fact I'm going to answer no. So I tell my son, whatever she says is what exactly what I'm going to say. End of story. And you need to accept her word as, 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 as it needs to be. I mean, it's that simple and boy, they'll cry. And you, okay. I understand. I, I'm sorry. You're upset, but just let them work through the no. I wonder <laughs> how many kids have that, you know, when you consider that divorced homes had different rules and, you know, when you consider how many uh, spouses not don't many. necessarily are on the same page, I'll bet it's not the majority of kids now that have that kind of discipline where, you know, no means no, that's, that's tough. Yeah. I'm coaching a father right now, which, they're divorced. And my point was like, hey, I know that you're not married anymore, but you guys got to come to common senses and dry those boundaries together because it's not going to work here and there. So um, it, it's, a, it's an important thing to have the same, you know, yes here and no there. So we keep that. Yeah, and it's it's it goes back to you, you know, you saying you have to fill your cup up. It being in those situations, having your cup full makes it easier to 
handle and tackle those objectives with your spouse a lot, a lot better. Um, for instance, something that I wanted to share with dads and with you guys, something I've been doing with my wife lately. I saw a video, um, I was a Ted talk X person. Uh, she was very intelligent. She had, I think she was a, a psychoanalyst or so anyways, long story short, she was in psychology and she and her husband practiced something. And I thought it was so genius when she comes home or he comes home and one of them is just not feeling the responsibilities of home or one of them is feeling drained or just tired. So they'll say, Hey, I'm at 10%. I'm at 15. Okay. I got the other 85, other 90. Don't worry about it. And that that has helped Ainsley and I so much lately because I'll come home and I'm just exhausted. I'm, or she'll come home. She's the same. She's had a long day of patience. And it's like, babe, I'm at a 20. And she's pregnant. So, of course, you know, more days it's going to be her being at 20. And even if I'm not at 20, if, if, even if I'm not at 80, I have to suck it up. I have to be like, okay, all right. I can carry the boat. You know, I got this. So it's, it's been something great. And I think a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, not only keeping your cup full, but a lot of couples need to start practicing that is, is communicating where you are at mentally and physically. Uh, because that, that is something that will, that kind of communication is something that's picked up by your children. You know, you talk about rites of passage and all these things we're teaching children. Great communication is part of that as well. So I, this is a, is the second module that I teach is communication when I want to go to my containers. Like, how is the communication with your, like, the real deeper communication? Like, you know, that is beautiful what you, what you shared, Justin. Um, great tool. You need to have tools for communication, you know, because your wife has a different story than you. She communicate in a way. You communicate in another way. Most men doesn't know how to communicate. Why? Just like myself. My father didn't communicate with me. My father never asked, hey, how are you feeling? I was like, I don't know. I'm not feeling anything. <laughs> you know what that means? I don't know what that means. You know, so that's where my anger work starts to come. When I start to understand, like, oh, I'm angry. And then my wife would say something like, oh, that is more angry. Let me process this anger. Let's start to figure out where this anger coming from. That's why I started doing the somatic, which it's, I, I, I get it. It's not easy to tell a man, hey, let's breathe. Let's just like see what's present in your body right now. Let's scan your body. I was like, I'm not doing that shit, man. I have something else to do. Let's <laughs> do the garden. Let's go like clean the car or vacuum the house. But I don't want to stop and breathe, lay down on the floor, do breath work. But it was super powerful. Then if someone asked me a deeper question, I can really tune in and say, well, that, that was a deeper question. That's the first thing. It's like, oh, okay. Let me see what my body is telling me. You know, Because the body, like I said before, the body keeps the score. Everything is stored on the body. So when you start to release that, you start to feel it, you start to connect more and create an intimacy again goes on and on but communication that's a beautiful um bringing to that love that so uh, outside of your your coaching program with the somatics and all that stuff uh, what other resources or tools do you recommend to fathers who want to continue their own personal uh, development journey 
Um, you know, I'm going to say um, a men's group is a, is a powerful tool. Is and, and the men's group, here's the thing, you know, like I said, you know, uh, I've been a part of a few. And when you feel safe to share, that's where things happen. Because you can go to a men's group and don't feel... Um, don't feel comfortable on that on that group, but you, you keep coming, and you keep seeing that. So I think that's one thing. The second thing is to put work on himself. You know, it could be physical or mentally. You know, learning more or like you know, I need to move more, filling up the cup. I think those two things goes. You know, I want to keep it simple. Too. I want to keep doable. You know, one thing quick here. I have a. a another client eating eating issues and then we go back to his trauma where his mom said hey you have to clean up your plate otherwise you don't you cannot play so eating his trauma was about that um so he had like ah oh, man i you know overweight it's like i don't have the time i don't have this like, I like okay let's do this i'm gonna do it and i did it with him we did fasting we did, you know, not eating late and all this without adding any exercise. So when they say, oh, I don't have time for this, that's not true. That's another excuse to put in that. Because I lost 10 pounds doing this thing with him without doing any extra workout, just basically on the diet and having the accountability of each other. No, we're going to do it. You know, we, we took we took actually just a, a processed food out and three days a week of fasting for 16 hours. So for the ones that say, like, oh, I don't have time for this, that's not true. You can create the time somehow. Absolutely. And uh, the final question I'll wrap us up on is, uh, share your favorite story or memory as a dad. What would that be? Oh. And that's a question that hits me. I wanna like I wanna start crying right now because uh, it's it's the birth of my kids, and uh, I, it's a little hard to share. But uh, yeah, it was just you know when uh, my first one, they were all born at home, all three kids, all three kids also was born in a pool of water. Um, but this is my favorite story when they they my wife who she was. An intense labor, you know, like what the women go through. We have no idea. And there was a moment that she stopped. You know, she said, I love my life. I'll never forget that moment. And then after that, it was super intense. And then she stopped, says that. It was like every, the midwives were like, whoa. That was, mm. And then right that, I go down and I put my hands under and my kid came. And I got to hold my first baby. And then I got to do that two more times. Um, it was like the gift of being a father. You know, this is my, there's no other memory that I have that will uh, overcome this one. Just like holding my first, second, and third child, it was just a dream coming true. And, and one thing I want to say, that time I was like, I want to be a father, but... When I started my journey with really my fatherhood, it was like, no, I want to be the best father as I can be. No father on this earth is going to beat me. 
I'm going to give me my presence, my 100%. Of course, I'm not there yet. I'm far <laughs> away. <laughs> but it, it's my goal. It's like, I'm going to do it, you know? And I'm going to be firm when I need to be firm. I want to say no when I need to say no. I'm going to teach them values. I'm going to teach them to ride a bike. And I'm going to be present. Because I remember one thing. When I did the restaurant for 10 years, I wasn't present. And again, you know, I have a lot of guilt of not being present. But I can redo it. I, I, can, I can be present now. I can offer that. Because it's the thing about quality over quantity. Is when you really give your 100%. So I, my goal is to give the 100%. But that, that was a heavy question, Justin. Yeah, I did you with it, man. I'm sorry. That was a beautiful <laughs> answer. Wow. So, so Daniel, where, where can everybody find you? Where, where, where can people plug into your, your program? The best one is to go to, you know, the website, dipcoaching.com, sign up for a newsletter. Um, there is a program that I'm putting. I, I, actually, I have a, a webinar, free webinar on August 26. Um, I think it's 8 a.m. my time. So you'll be 10 10 central. Uh -huh. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll send you, I'll put some links, I guess. We'll post, but, it. We'll post it with the video. Yeah, we'll have the, the webinar, yeah. which will be about pornography. Okay. And then I have another webinar with free as well. It's September 17. That's the first times. Uh, first times, I forgot the title, but um, is for the first times uh, dad. Because those guys, they're walking to a fatherhood without any support. I right. did that. Many of us just step in. It's like, oh, I'm a father now, so what do I do? Oh, you know, you can learn how to change a diaper in the second day, you know, if you're fear. But to really offer what your kid needs in every stage of life, because it's going to change. You guys know that. Every time, every three, four months, it changes. We need support, and we didn't have that. So this webinar is just is a four-pillar. It's you, your wife, your kids, and the, everybody together. So how we do that? It's a very simple one, but I, I love to point that because we, we can forget about the relationship about our wife. And first year is like, you're like all over, you're doing everything, but you forget about yourself. So we have to have reminders of all those uh, little things. So I have those two webinars. That's a good way to connect. And then, you know, Instagram, I'm on and off, to be honest. I'm, sometimes I'm on and putting a lot of information. Sometimes I'm going to step out. But the website to be the best uh, place to go. And that for those that are listening, that is www.dipcoaching.com. So as we conclude uh, this powerful episode with you, Daniel, uh, we first just want to extend our sincere gratitude for you and, and you sharing your wisdom and your journey with us. Your passion for guiding fathers um, to become better leaders is truly commendable. Um, I personally look forward to following you and seeing your program, uh, you know, the dad and coach, dad in progress coaching uh, to continue to, to impact dads out there. I'm excited to see what you, you have in store for the future. So, again, thank you, Daniel, uh, for being a driving force and empowering us um, to be the better fathers that we can be and your dedication to positive discipline and leadership. It's really inspiring. So uh, 
for all of our viewers, just remember, uh, take these valuable insights to heart and um, join us in striving to be the best fathers that we can be. Like, follow, and sh share this when you get it. Uh, stay tuned for more empowering episodes. And until then, let's get back to climbing the mountain of fatherhood together. Thank you. And remember, be present, be intentional, and be strong fathers. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Present Fathers Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Spotify to catch all of our amazing episodes. We will see you in the next one.